How are you? This is episode one of Dr. Dave on Call. I'm your host, Dr. Dave. Thanks for joining me today. It's our first episode here in the studio here that um, I threw together. A couple of lights, cameras. I got this uh, Rodecaster Pro. It's awesome. It just takes in all of this material and sound and makes it really good and easy to operate because, quite frankly, um, I don't really have much... Um, you know, studio, in-studio skills, but I figured um, we should make a program that addresses a lot of complex questions that people have in medicine and health, and um, I can answer those questions from people and uh, in a really simple and clear manner, and we can put together a podcast or video cast. I just decided to videotape myself doing it, um, and so... I figured I could help in some way, to be honest. Uh, we are in crazy, crazy times right now, right? It's March 26, 2020. We're in the middle of a pandemic. The coronavirus, COVID-19, has gripped literally the entire earth um, over the last, you know, six, eight weeks. Um, and it's really got a lot of people scared. It's got myself scared. Um, my kids are scared. My wife is scared. My friends are scared. Um, I have a lot of friends and colleagues in the medical field um, who are scared and they go into work every day and are afraid of catching COVID-19, bringing it home to their families. Um, they're afraid that they have, you know, inadequate personal protective equipment. Um, and so, you know, this is, this is really unprecedented times. We're in a shelter in order, um, Right now in our state, I'm from Chicago, Illinois, and so we are not allowed to go out unless it's really for essential activities, going to the grocery store, going to the pharmacy, you know, checking in on, you know, loved ones, elderly people. So, you know, this is a, a really, a really, you know, crazy time for everybody. And so I think a lot of people are trying to figure out their roles in this situation right now. And, you know, what they can do to step up and help out in just their own unique way. And for me, I'm one of those people. I'm a proud American. I just, when, when people are in need or a situation calls for somebody to do something, I want to step up in some way, shape, or form that's unique to myself of what I can give. And so... I actually think that this show can help out in some way during this time, and even longer term than that, too. Um, I feel like I can, you know, help out, and the way I can help out is really providing some reassurance, especially during this time of, you know, this fear of the unknown, where people don't know what's around that corner, um, whether they're going to get sick, land up in the intensive care unit, is their insurance going to pay for this? You know, a lot of people, the jobs report came out today, 3.28 million people lost their jobs here in America. A lot, of, a lot of people just don't know where their next paycheck is coming from, let alone even to apply for unemployment. From what I hear, a number of, you know, state websites have crashed because there's so many people um, trying to, you know, apply for unemployment and they can't. They're worried about, you know, how they're going to get their groceries, um, let alone, you know, 
figuring out if, you know, COVID-19 is going to be on their, you know, um, Amazon package. And the next thing you know, they're sick. So these are all these questions that are really, you know, relevant right now. So let's just get started on the show. A little bit background of myself. Um, I am a medical doctor. I'm actually a board-certified internal medicine doctor. I'm also a subspecialty physician. I'm board-certified in allergy and immunology. Um, I live in Chicago, Illinois. I run a small nonprofit um, here in Chicago. Um, I uh, am opening up a free clinic. Um, It's an asthma and allergy clinic on the north side. It should be open here in hopefully by the summer of 2020. Um, I am a member of, you know, a local community here that is, is hurting and struggling and also a member of our state and, you know, wanting to contribute in some special way if I can, you know, even if it's really small. So hopefully the show will be interactive too with, um, listeners and viewers. Um, we're going to have ways to contact us. So we just joined Twitter actually. Uh, so we're in Dr. So tweet us at Dr. Dave on call. If you have any questions or anything like that, um, we have an email address too. Doc, uh, hello at Dr. Dave uh, on call.com. Excuse me. And, um, and you can also call us. I figured, you know what? People like to leave messages and honestly, sometimes it's really tough to get a hold of your doctor and that frustrates me too as well, you know? And so, um, so we got an eight, eight, like a toll free number. So it's eight, seven, seven, Dr. Dave five, eight, seven, seven, Dr. Dave five, call us, leave us a message. If you just want to tell us how you're doing, how you're feeling. If you have a question, um, you know, if you just have a comment or you're just having a bad day and you just want to say, Hey man, I'm having a really bad day or I'm concerned about my brother or sister or, you know, I may have this problem going on and can you help me out? Um, yeah, let us know. And so that way we can get back to you. Um, and if you have specific questions, maybe we can, uh, I'd like to actually, you know, put these questions, um, you know, on air so that we can answer them in a really clear manner um, so that people you know, we can tackle this fear of the unknown. I mean, because that's really what I've understood in my experience of being a doctor is that people take bad news relatively well. Um, They can understand diagnoses of cancer or if their loved one passes away, they understand that. You know, and they get, and sure, they have time for grieving, but, um, and they go through different stages of grieving too. But what I'm getting at is that people process bad news really well. The problem comes is when they don't know if it's bad or not. Um, it's like this waiting period, you know, like for example, if you find, you know, this sort of suspicious mass or growth that hasn't been there. And you call up your doctor and, you know, there's that time period where it takes a little while to get in to see them, you know? And so you're sitting there Googling stuff or asking your friends, taking pictures, and you don't know what the hell it is, you know? And it's scary. And what it is is really the fear of the unknown. 
the fear of the unknown really just can fester and make you anxious and act really strangely and cause all these different problems, you know, and it can perpetuate too. And then you go and see your doctor and then they refer you to a subspecialty. Oh, this growth looks kind of abnormal. Let me send you to the dermatologist or the breast guy or whatever. And then that takes like a week or two to get in. And then that fear of the unknown, you know, snowballs. So I understand that. And so what I hope to do here at the show is to tackle that fear of the unknown because sometimes it takes a couple of weeks or, you know, to see different subspecialty doctors to figure out, you know, what's going on with you. And so um, that's the biggest, that's the biggest goal I want in this show is to really be honest. Um, You're going to, you know, find out a lot about myself too, the different idiosyncratic behaviors I have, how I think, um, my analytic reasoning, all these different things in order to tackle problems and to get to effective solutions. So you're going to find out a lot about me. So I hope this show is just an honest representation of who I am um, and also of who who the listeners and viewers are who, who chime in. You know, I hope we have this honest dialogue with one another and the way we communicate effectively with one another. So, um, you know, with that, let's get started. Um, you know, we haven't had any people call in or, or email us questions or anything like that. So given that we are in a pandemic situation with COVID-19, I thought it'd be worthwhile to just answer a few questions about COVID-19. Um, we're going to have a couple of shows on coronavirus because of how important it is in our world right now. There are a lot of questions going on, um, you know, and a lot of information and misinformation out there, and it can really cause people to act and behave in just strange ways right now. So um, let's let's tackle coronavirus for the first couple episodes and see where it takes us. How's that sound? Okay, so I think let's back up before we talk about coronavirus and talk about what a virus is because, you know, people just sometimes don't even understand what a virus is or a bacteria is. And so I think it's I think it's really important to first start out understanding what a virus is. So a virus is an infectious agent. It's really, really small. It's microscopic. You can't see it. And they are found in pretty much all life forms out there, uh, whether it's, you know, animals or amphibians or wherever they are. Viruses are everywhere. But here's the thing. Viruses, they can only survive if they're living inside um, a living cell or an organism. So obviously we will, and we'll talk about this too, because, um, you know, there's some talk in the news just related to COVID-19. Well, COVID-19 can live on my you know, Amazon package for up to 24 hours. Yeah, yeah, that's the case. But eventually, that'll the virus will die um, without it actually getting into and replicating into a living cell of an organism. So you might heard on the media now too these days, um, you know, the study of viruses are, are is called virology and virologists study viruses and they're really, really smart at figuring out, you know, what types of viruses there are, um, how the virus works, 
and they can they're they're just such great contributors in terms of finding treatments to help kill viruses. So in essence, you know, a virus it needs to survive. And it's very it's a really smart um it's really smart. Viruses are, are, are really, really smart. They're smarter than bacteria. So when we think of bacteria, they're very more simplistic organisms. Um, and, and that's really the biggest distinction when you, when you think about like viruses are complex genetic material. Um, and they learn to adapt to different situations. And that's the difference where you see with bacteria. Bacteria just goes and it, it, they're almost like, you know, a hand grenade going off. That's what bacteria does. It's just, you know, it just gets worse in a huge, you know, big situation. Whereas viruses, they're very sneaky. They're almost like ninja-like, you know, and they can adapt to your um, immune system, which I, I'm a specialist of the immune system. So, they're very tricky. They can just kind of go in the night and really disrupt so many different parts of your immune system in your body. So that's pretty much, you know, the brass tacks of what a virus is. Um, and I think that's important when we talk about coronaviruses and COVID-19. So what is, what is COVID-19? Well, coronavirus is is a, is a type of virus. So there's all these different types of viruses like um, human immunodeficiency virus or HIV. Um, there's hepatitis C, hepatitis B. There's all these, there's, there's, you know, thousands of different types of viruses in the world. This specific one that we're concerned about right now is COVID-19. So firstly, what does COVID-19 stand for? Because you know, when you see it, it's all this, it's an acronym and you're just, you can ask yourself, well, what the hell does that mean? So, so COVID, so the CO in COVID-19 means coronavirus. The VI part means virus. The D stands for disease and 19 stands for the year that it was found um, and discovered for the first case. And we'll talk about that, where it was found and how it was. So essentially COVID-19 stands for Coronavirus disease 2019. That's really the general gist of what you should, um, what you should know about it. So, if, if you know, we'll throw a graphic up there. So the coronavirus is really interesting. You may have seen some pictures about it. It's kind of like it's got these crowns or sort of spiky, um, you know, appendages that that uh, are on the outside of it. They kind of look like crowns, and that's what you know the the term corona comes from, actually. And um, these crowns are actually really important because, as we talked about in viruses, right? They have to live and replicate inside a living organism or your cells. So they have to find a way to get in your cells, right? And that's exactly what they do. So they use the the, the crown of coronavirus, that spiky protein that's on the outside actually attaches to your healthy cell, and that's the way that it uses to get entrance into your cell, into a healthy cell. Again, the virus has to live and replicate inside your cell, so that's that's how it does it. Um, but let's kind of go back to um, like COVID-19. Where did it come from? 
it's a natural question, you know? Everybody, so we know COVID-19, the first cases started in this Hubei province in China. Actually, in Wuhan is the city. It's a really huge city um, in China. And we know exactly where COVID-19 came from. And I think it's worthwhile to take just a couple of minutes to talk about this because there's a lot of misinformation and almost dramatization of like, you know, where COVID-19 came from. Did somebody eat a bat soup and then they got coronavirus and gave it to everybody? Or was there, a, you know, a person who like caught a bat and ate it raw and then ended up having coronavirus? No. Firstly, that's completely false. Um, however, we should talk about hosts. And what I mean by hosts is this. So as we said before, viruses need to live in living organisms in order to replicate and to, to survive, right? So bats are actually a really, really great host for a whole bunch of nasty viruses. Pretty much all of the worst viruses that you've ever heard of on the earth really come from bats, like hantavirus and all these different just nasty viruses that you see, um, nifavirus, and these are really just terrible viruses that can make you sick and kill you very quickly. So why are bats really good hosts for viruses? Well, for one thing, bats have a really interesting immune system, and we'll talk about your immune system and what the, immune, what the job of the immune system does, but basically, your immune system, you can just essentially think of it as your body armor. We think about like our skin and, you know, our clothes and things like that as our body armor. And, and to some degree, that's true. But your immune system is really your true body armor. What I mean by that is this. Your immune system allows you to essentially function in this world and to you know, essentially take a licking and keep on ticking, if that makes sense. So if you're, you know, sick, your immune system knows and discovers that you're sick and, 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 and makes and creates these wonderful cells that help you fight the infection. And so that's essentially what the job is for your immune system. It's to keep you safe, um, especially if you get, you know, hit with the virus or something like that. So bats have these really, really complex immune systems that allow them to live normally while they have these nasty viruses like, like coronavirus in this case. So a bat in China had coronavirus and was just living normally in their, in their layers with thousands and thousands of other bats that probably had coronavirus too. And so what happened is, so you can transmit coronavirus from the bat, which is the host again, and they can do that by just having bat poop. So what happens is that the bat just poops on the ground and the virus can actually live in the bat feces or the bat poop for a number of days, maybe even longer 
who knows? It's tough to t- tough to say, really. I'm sure they've done studies in that, and maybe I'll look that up after the show. Um, but what happens is that if you come in contact with that bat poop in a certain amount of time that the coronavirus is living in it, then that that becomes you be, you can become a reservoir for it. And that's exactly what happens. So there are these animals called pangolins. And we'll throw a graphic up there too. Pangolins are like little miniature anteaters. And what we know is that it likely happened is that this, like a pangolin or two pangolins or three pangolins, we're not really sure, but a pangolin came into contact with probably some bat feces and ended up becoming a what's called a reservoir for the coronavirus. So the so the coronavirus went from the bat poop, latched onto the pangolin in some way, and the pangolin was just living with this coronavirus. And typically these nasty viruses, right? So if a pangolin just sort of wandered away and just died, then that coronavirus would just be dead with that pangolin. But here's what happened. So in um, you know, eastern China, pangolins are actually you know, sold in animal markets there. People have them as pets. Um, You know, I I, I don't know. It's carnival animals, whatever. But so what happened is that these pangolins ended up getting sold at an animal market in Wuhan, pangolins with the coronavirus. And what likely happened was is that the person who was selling the pangolins had contact with this coronavirus and it jumped from the pangolin as a reservoir to the animal handlers and found a way to enter the animal handlers either whether it was through just improper um, hand washing or something like that right where it found entrance into their body either through like their nose or their mouth or wherever and entered latched on as we talked about those crown proteins latched on to the to the cells entered the cells and then replicated and then replicated then replicated then replicated millions and billions of times until that person which would be patient 0 ended up having symptoms of coronavirus and ended up spreading it to one person, maybe two, maybe three, maybe four, 10, 20, and then that just just snowballed like a big kindling fire. And then all of a sudden just exploded into a huge fire of coronavirus spreading through, you know, Wuhan. So that's essentially where did coronavirus, so COVID-19 come from? So the bats were the host, um, the pangolins were the reservoir, so picked it up in the bat feces maybe. And then the animal handlers that were selling these pangolins in Wuhan Animal Market um, became patient zero, and then that just snowballed into this worldwide pandemic um, that we're experiencing today. So that's where we are in terms of COVID-19. So I think it'd be really relevant to talk about you know, how do we get sick? Uh, that's a big question I, I, I get too. It's like, hey, you know, how do we get sick from this? Which is a great question because we have to talk about like, you know, the virus entering you um, and then latching onto your cells and then 
how going all the way to, you know, you see these terrible, you know, pictures in the media where patients are on ventilators, you know, getting, um, you know, having a machine essentially breathe for them. So how do we get from the virus entering you all the way to, you know, to, to, to someone being as severe, you know, almost dying from it. So let's talk about it. So again, when, when coronavirus latches to your cell and it enters it, there is this really complex, um, you know, mechanism that happens in your cells. Um, the coronavirus comes in and essentially hijacks your cell. Um, inside your cell, you have all these, um, you, have, you have millions and billions of complex processes going on just within that one microscopic cell. And so what the coronavirus does, and this is, gets back to what we talked about before, viruses are really, really smart. So what it does, it basically, the coronavirus breaks down itself, and then it takes some of your cell machinery and genetics from your cell and combines it and then makes new coronavirus within your cell. It replicates itself. And then what it does, it exits your cell in order to infect other healthy cells of yours. It's absolutely mind-boggling, to be honest. And so over a short period of time, one coronavirus that comes in and infects one healthy cell will infect millions and billions of your own cell just within a matter of hours and days. And that's exactly what happens. So we have all heard like, what is this incubation period? And you, you hear it. And so right now we know that the coronavirus incubation period is actually relatively long before you end up having symptoms. And we should talk about that. And we will, you know, in subsequent episodes too. But one of the points I want to talk about uh, with coronavirus is that it's got a pretty long incubation period. You know, we're talking, you know, days, sometimes, you know, over a week, sometimes even longer than a week for you to actually feel the symptoms. So why is that bad? A um, couple of main reasons why, and you're, you're seeing this in the media too. So if you don't know that you have coronavirus and that coronavirus is replicating inside you millions and billions of times and infecting all your other cells, you don't have the symptoms for a number of days. You can infect so many different people that you come in contact to. So the, so the big question is this, how do you infect a person? Well, we know that it's through these large droplets, respiratory droplets actually, from your nose, from your throat, and even from your lungs, that when you have a respiratory droplet that flies out of you, lands on somebody, not on the skin, but eventually making its way inside the body through the nose, their nose, their mouth, that's, we know that's the main modality of spread of the coronavirus. So, we need to keep that in mind, too, because we'll talk about, well, how do I prevent spread of it? So we're going to talk about this. But, but my main point here is this. Because of the long incubation period, you don't know that you're spreading coronavirus until you actually have symptoms. So that's why you can actually spread coronavirus to so many other people before you actually realize, hey, 
I have, I am sick and I need to stay home and stay away from people. So let's kind of, let's kind of talk about that because this is what's leading to this worldwide pandemic and why a ton of people are getting sick. Quite frankly, coronavirus, as we, as we mentioned, you know, it has a long incubation period, um, you know, anywhere between, you know, over a week. Um, whereas the flu, the flu will hit you hard and the incubation period is pretty short. Um, couple of days, two to four days, really. And this is important because as the flu knocks you out within the time you, um, you know, come in contact with the person with the flu, and then when you have symptoms, it's only a matter of days. So you already know that you're sick. So what you do is you shut it down quickly. And so you'll actually just go home, quarantine yourself or get away from people. You're not going to go into work with the flu um, because it'll hit you hard. And so what you're doing is within a few days of getting exposed to the flu, you are not infecting um, many people. Whereas coronavirus, you are having the virus replicate in your cells millions and billions of times over a period of many days. And you're coming into contact with people at work, at home, on the bus, on the train, wherever you're going. And so that's a big distinction between the flu and coronavirus. So what I want to talk to you briefly about is this concept of, you know, how many people an infected person can, how many healthy people can an infected person infect, right? It's a value that you see in math and epidemiology. It's called R-naught. It's at R and then, you know, not. It's not spelled N-O-T, but similar like that. So it's a mathematical value. And what it represents is the number of people an infected person will spread the disease to healthy people. So flu has an R naught of, you know, a little over one, like 1.5. So every infected flu person will spread it to about one and a half healthy people. I mean, you can go all the way to the other end of the spectrum. Let's talk about measles. Measles, on the other hand, one infected measles person can spread it to like 14, like 12 to 14 healthy people. That's why measles can spread just like wildfire. Um, you know, smallpox is somewhere, you know, in, in around four-ish. Um, COVID-19, it's pretty high. It's between, you know, around three. So this r not is is really a lot to do with our incubation period. It's a long incubation period, and people have different symptoms, too, during this incubation period before, you know, as they're becoming symptomatic, and we're going to talk about that now. But what I really want you to understand here is that because of this long incubation period, pe people with COVID-19 are spreading it to a lot more people than if you have the flu, because a lot of people ask, well, I mean, what's this big difference between like the flu and COVID-19? Well, here's one of the big differences. COVID-19 people who are infected with it spread it to so many other people before they have symptoms. And that's why you're getting a worldwide spread of this disease so quickly. So let's talk about symptoms because this is a really important um, aspect to talk about because there are many people who think they may have COVID-19, but they actually have something else like the common cold, seasonal allergies. For myself, I mean, just two weeks ago, I had just like 
some nasal drainage and I got really worried. I thought I was, you know, coming down with COVID-19. So it's perfectly normal. So let's talk about it. One of the biggest symptoms that you're seeing with COVID-19 patients is fever. And what we mean by fever is this. You have a documented temperature of 100.4 degrees or higher. And that's, you can take it orally, a thermometer, or you can scan your head. You see at airports, they're doing that with infrared uh, thermometer gauges, but 100.4 or higher. So yeah, in the flu, you can have fever, right? But typically your fever is going to last maybe a day or two. In COVID-19 patients, this fever is lasting for days. And it does slightly respond to you know, acetaminophen or ibuprofen, but really the fever will creep up again um, over 101, 102, even as high as 103 and 104. And you're really not going to see that with you know, the flu or even the common cold. Typically with a common cold, you're really not going to have, you're not going to have fever. Um, so that's one of the big distinctions here um, that you're seeing with COVID-19 patients. You're seeing a very high sustained fever that even though it comes down with medicine, it still creeps back up. Another common symptom we're seeing now too is um, shortness of breath. These are people, for example, healthy people who used to run you know, long distances or very fit people, all of a sudden they're having difficulty just coming in from the garage into their home and they have to take a break and sit down. And that's really concerning. Um, they feel they have a hard time taking a deep breath in and out and they're almost gasping for air. Um, it's difficult for them to walk up the stairs. Um, so, so that's a big difference um, that we're seeing with patients with COVID-19 that they are really short of breath. Um, and and what that's a distinction too when you see um, you know, common colds um, and even the flu, you're not seeing the shortness of breath unless you are really having, you know, pre-existing conditions like, you know, asthma, um, you know, if you've had a history of any sort of um intrinsic lung issues, you know, that's that's really tough. So, but but COVID-19 patients, you're seeing really healthy patients who never had any lung issues. All of a sudden, they can't even walk, walk, you know, 10, 15 steps before they get short of breath and they have to, you know, sit down. Um, another symptom that we're seeing commonly in COVID-19 patients is, this, is a cough, but it's really a dry cough. So what do I mean by that? Well, typically, if you have the flu and you have, you know, some deep cough, um, by then you're already having a lot of you know, nasal discharge and a lot of that cough that's coming up is more productive. You know, it's got some mucus, some phlegm. With COVID-19 patients, it's pretty dry. So when they're coughing, it's like nothing is coming up and they can feel it deep in their chest. Um, and it hurts when they cough too. So so these are really big symptoms that we're seeing um, uh, in COVID-19. Again, high fevers that are not coming down for days shortness of breath, and um, uh, a dry cough. Now, there have been some case reports, and actually there's some more data coming out too from Chinese patients and some from the Europe too as well, that there have been reports of symptoms of patients experiencing um, difficulty tasting food and also smelling. And that's really interesting to note um, and how the virus may be affecting 
um, their cranial nerves that are responsible for taste and smell. Um, and if the virus is actually, you know, um, you know, affecting those cranial nerves. So sometimes patients, again, lack of smell and taste and or both, um, that can also be this sort of, um, you know, telltale sign that you may be experiencing COVID-19 too as well. So as we, I think that these are pretty good questions to start out with COVID-19, um, really dialing it back and simplifying a lot of, um, you know, history of where we were and where we're going with this pandemic. So we talked about, you know, what's a virus um, and figuring out that um, and how complex viruses are and how they adapt and how really, you know, complex viruses are, but knowing that they need a living um, a, a living organism to actually replicate itself. Um, and we talked about coronavirus and the crown and how, um, you know, it uses that crown to latch onto our healthy cells um, and to and to hijack the inside of our cells, replicate in our cells, and then go off to new cells and infect them millions and billions of time over. Um, that that's important to note because um, we'll talk about in our next episode in terms of how we prevent COVID nineteen from coming into our bodies. And then also, I think it was nice to just review, um, you know that. This COVID-19 didn't start from bat soup or somebody eating a bat. It did uh, begin in bats as hosts, um, and and the pangolins were the reservoirs, and it jumped to somebody who was likely handling these pangolins in the animal market, um, and that's how it spread um, this pandemic. Um, and then we talked about, you know, the this incubation period. You know, this long incubation period is really contributing to this rapid spread. And that's why you have um, what we have now, these, these um, shelter-in-place orders for really affected communities like ours here in you know, Chicago and Illinois. You're seeing it in New York. You're seeing it in all these different states now are coming out with shelter-in-place orders because we realize that this pandemic of epic proportions is really contributed by this long incubation period that people who have COVID-19 don't know they have COVID-19 and they're infecting a ton of other people. And importantly, we talked about symptoms, you know, um, fever um, that's really not coming down, a dry cough, shortness of breath, um, and, you know, these kind of odd symptoms of, you know, you can't taste uh, food and you can't smell. Obviously, people have milder symptoms. Some have been reported of just, you know, these sort of, you know, small amount of clear fluid, maybe some sneezings, a little body aches. And those are minor symptoms, but really what we want to distinguish here are these really serious symptoms of when you need to call your doctor, and that's important too as well. Um, so that's basically the the gist of you know what we're doing with this podcast and video cast. We're just answering some questions in a way that we feel is uh, clear, some concise, using some data, um, and not only data that's from scientific journals, but also combining it with, you know, expertise of myself, I really look forward to actually having um, guests on too. We're going to try to do it through, you know, Zoom and get some audio from them and record it that way so we can, you know, um, 
we can have a really good discussion. So today was just me. Um, probably the next one or two will be me too, but we're going to definitely have some experts, um, you know, that'll be um, joining us on the show, which I feel like it's going to be a great dialogue that we're going to have together. At the end of each show, so I really firmly believe that this show, again, is out there just to help people, especially through difficult circumstances like we're going through in this pandemic, um, to help individuals too, um, if they're really grappling with questions about themselves or their loved ones, or they're going through a hard time. So, um, as we're new, I'm new to social media, to be honest. Um, and so we did, we joined Twitter just like yesterday. And again, you can tweet us at Dr. Dave on call and Twitter is actually really amazing that the, the, it's really phenomenal to where you can actually interact with people and just see what they're going through as, as well as the access to news and experts. So what I thought after, you know, on the first couple of shows, or maybe this is going to be some sort of sustained thing, but I want to just find somebody who's just having not the greatest day or week and, um, and tweet them. And just to, I, I think, you know, people need some help in these sort of times that we're in right now. So I wanted to just brighten up their day with something. So I found um, I found somebody on Twitter. This is, our, this is actually going to be our first tweet too. Um, and this is Alex Jones, 1969. So Alex says, I was indefinitely let go from my job yesterday. I could use some help towards my rent on the first, receive my last check on Friday. It paid for my son's last week of school and food. I've been trying to apply for unemployment with no luck as the system crashes hashtag help. And that's actually how I found her. It's just, just searching through hashtag help. So we're going to reply to Alex. Uh, we like to give her 200 bucks towards her rent. Um, and we'll send it through PayPal and hopefully things will turn around for her and her son. Um, and, and that's it. So let's just send this tweet here as our first tweet. I guess we just put a hashtag of our, of our show too here. There we go. Our tweet sent our first one. So We'll follow up with Alex, make sure she gets uh, she gets her money, and um, we wish her the best. For you guys, we wish you guys the best, too. Stay safe and healthy. Again, um, email us, um, tweet us, um, and and leave us a message if you have any questions. one eight seven seven doctor day 5 We will um, post them in our next uh, podcast and video casts. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, Thanks a lot. I apologize for any sort of, you know, we're still trying to get our setup down, but I feel like this this went well, and and, and I look forward to um, sharing some uh, cool and amazing moments with all of you guys. Take care. <laughs>